Breathe, breathe. Makes me cry. Thank you. So this month, we're talking about being spiritual stewards of the planet. So it's kind of a big theme, you know? It's a big thing. And today's talk is adding to the mix. I don't know what I was thinking when I called it that. <laughs> but here goes. <laughs> In the beginning, <laughs> we're, we're going way back now. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? Okay. Now, really didn't say that. I just want to, here's a little aside. Um, the earliest scripture that they could find that was written was, was um, with beginning the goddesses created. Now, isn't that lovely? They actually used the feminine plural word for God. So that's really what it said. <laughs> but it's evolved into, you know, that. It's evolved into in the beginning, God created heaven and earth because they kicked the goddesses out of the Bible after a while. But anyway, I'm not bitter. <laughs> okay, so in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay. Um, but the mythology doesn't stop there, right? The mythology doesn't stop there. It goes on. Then there was light, right? That was like kind of the first thing. There was light, separated from the darkness, so we had day and night. Yay. But that's not all. There was more. Then the waters were separated, right? The waters were separated. The land came Fourth, the land appeared between the waters. But we are not done yet. But wait, there's more. So now we have light and we have darkness. We have land and we have water. We need some plant life, right? So plants appeared. Plants appeared all over the land. And then here come the animals, right? We had animals. We had birds. We have bugs. We have fish. We have something for every environment. And then, of course... The people. Now, in Genesis 1, God created them. That's how it says. God created them. Man and woman, he created them. So it sounded like a package deal, doesn't it? Boom, there they are. Okay. Now, in Genesis 2, here's where the mythology, you know, gets a little more detailed. They're starting to flesh out the roles here. And, and um, so, it, so in it's kind of like the fish story. You know how the fish keeps getting bigger and bigger with every retelling? Okay, so in Genesis 2, they give, they give a little more detail. The fish story. Um, Adam is put to sleep, right? You heard that. Adam falls into, into a sleep. They take the rib bone. They create woman out of the rib of Adam. Now, funny thing about that is nowhere in the Bible does it ever say Adam ever woke up. <laughs> So he's been asleep ever since, guys. <laughs> We're just walking around in a dream. This is all a dream. <laughs> okay, so, so anyway, then, <laughs> and so then Adam goes around naming everything because God instructs him to name everything, right? All this stuff. He needs a name. And to name something is, its name is its nature. That's what we know symbolically, right? The name is the nature. So Adam reenacts this co-creation process. He reenacts on a personal level, right, what God is doing on, on the universal level, speaking his word, right? God spoke its word into manifestation. So now Adam is doing the same thing on a smaller level, on a personal level. He is speaking his word. He's, he's showing the power of our word to create our world. And Ernest Holmes put it this way in the Science of Mind textbook. He said, nothing could give form to the formless stuff, which has no mind of its own, but some intelligence must be operating through it. 
Here, then, we come back to the Word as the starting point of all creation. God's Word in the great creation, the great world, and man's Word in the small world. One spirit, one mind, one substance, one law, but many ideas. One power, but many ways of using it. One God in whom we all live, and one law which we all use. He goes back to one, 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 one. No greater unity could be conceived than that which is already given. So there you go. It's just one. All of us, just one. One source, one life, one energy. As we know, right, from core concept one, God is all there is. And everything, everything proceeds from that unity. All of the diversity on the planet, I mean, think of it, how beautiful that is. All of the diversity of the planet, all of the diversity in the universe, comes from and returns to that unity, that oneness. That is the basis of all life everywhere. And because creation is creation, It wasn't satisfied with just one thing, right? Not with one planet, not with one star, not with one fish, not with one type of bird. Think of all the types of birds there are, right? Creation was not satisfied with just one, all all the fish looking the same or all the birds looking the same. Why, you know? Creation creates. That's what it does. Spirit creates out of itself. More variety, more diversity, Evolution produces more and different types of everything, of everything. And all of it adds to the mix, doesn't it? All of it makes the most beautiful world, like Paul, you were singing, right? All of it makes a wonderful world. Imagine how boring life would be if there was only one color flower, right? If there was only one type of flower or only one reptile, (laughs) I don't know why reptile. Anyway, but think about how boring it would be, right? So there is infinite variety, and it just keeps happening, and it keeps growing, and it keeps, you know, becoming more and more diverse. It's lovely. Ernest Holmes said in Freedom from Stress, he said, we see the first principle of life is oneness. The first performance of life is multiplying itself without dividing itself. Life must be one, and that one, in order to be expressed, must be many. But the many, in order to exist, must be the one. Right? So so life just outpictures itself in incredible diversity, in immense variety. But yet it's all an outpicturing of this one life, this one source. There must be many. I love that. Right? Look at dogs. Got any dog people out here? There any dog people? Oh my gosh, look, yay. Okay, look at dogs. Look at the variety of dogs. Oh my God, you know, yeah, you know, they little pocket poodles and then these things you look and you could ride on. I mean, there's dogs, you know, for all variety and size and shape and color and temperament and everything. There is, and then there is something to consider. Look what happens to those variety of dogs when we try to limit them when we try to limit that diversity. How many congenital diseases are the result of humans in 
inter inbreeding dogs to create those pure breeds, right? Look at the trouble that, that that causes. Pure breeds have some of the worst genetic weaknesses because of this pursuit of pureness, which is the opposite of variety, right? The opposite of diversity. Dogs succumb to hip dysplasia, right? Brachiocephalic syndrome, degenerative myelopathy, all because humans want to keep a breed pure, whatever that means. And look, we do the same thing with humans, don't we? Look at the royal families across Europe, right? During the Middle Ages and after. All that inbreeding in Europe did the same thing. <laughs> the Habsburg jaw, right? In, in the, the German region. Hemophilia, club feet. Porphyria. All of those inherited diseases were all because the royal line had to stay pure. Royals could only marry royals. Cleopatra was, was the product of 10 generations of brother-sister marriages. She had her own problems. But this idea that we have to keep things pure, it, it leads to all of this disease and disorder. And of course, the wealth had to stay in the family, too. That was kind of a part. That was the, the big draw. So, but life wants to diverse, right? Life wants to be diverse. Life wants variety. Life wants to continue to show up in new and different ways. Just the opposite of that. Ernest Holmes, in spiritual awareness, said life, which is a unity, is expressed through variety in order that that which is unity is not monotonous. Every experience we have takes place in the field of unity, a union of all life in which variation in no way disturbs but merely gives individualized expression to it. We're different from each other. Each and every one of us, seven and a half billion people on the planet, no two of us are alike, have not been before, will not be again. Individualized expressions of the one life. Not, not individuals in isolation from each other, but expressions of the one. Always expressions of the one. And isn't it wonderful to have that diversity, to have that variety? You do not eat the same food every day, do you? You just don't do it. It would get boring and monotonous, right? Who would want to? <laughs> but how do we benefit? Oh, no, you're sitting here thinking, okay, but what does this mean to me? <laughs> really, what does this mean to me? Well, what does it, you know, how do we benefit in our daily lives by this diversity, by this variety, Right? Going back to the food, right? What do we, you know, we don't eat the same food every day. You know, right after, right after the celebration today, what do we, what's the conversation? If we don't have hospitality here, what is it? Where are we going? <laughs> Where are we going? What are we going to eat? Italian? Chinese? Sushi? Anyway. <laughs> you know, you know that's the conversation, right? Where are we going to go for lunch? And, and even within the one type of food, there's a, there's a variety of food, Right? So, okay, we want to go Italian. Well, what are you going to have? You're going to have pizza? You're going to have lasagna? You're going to have spaghetti and white clam sauce? I mean, what, you know, there's like a variety within the varieties of food. And let's not even get into fusion. God, don't you love that stuff? Oh, my God. You know, now, now what we're doing is now we're mixing in the different cultures together and creating something new altogether that has never been done before. 
We are infinitely creative. And we are doing at the human level what spirit does on the universal level. Spirit is forever inhabiting form and abandoning it, inhabiting form and abandoning it. Life, life forms come up and they come and go and they come and go. And we do that on our own personal lives. We co-create with that same, that same power that spirit has. We co-create our own lives. We are infinitely creative because the spirit of God is infinitely creative. And we're using that same divine creative process. Look, we started out with three colors, right? Blue, yellow, and red. And look what we've done with those. Just look around the room. Look at all the different colors. Look at all the, vari the variety, right? Oh, my gosh. We, had, we started out with primary colors. We start mixing them. We start blending them. There is an infinite variety of colors. Just walk into the paint department at Home Depot. Oh my God, you know those little strips of, there is like so many different varieties and we're not, you know, I mean, it's just, it goes on and on. Think about all the music you've heard. Think about all the wonderful music, right? You think all the music that's ever been written is all the music that can ever be written? No, of course not. There is an infinite, there is an infinite creativity in the soul of humans. That is that, that seed of perfection that is nestled within us that Whitman said that seed of perfection, that God self within us that is infinitely creative. There's more music, and there's more, and there's more, right? There's never going to be an end to it. We're never going to create all the music there ever is, there ever was, and be done with it. Oh, well, I guess we, we invented all of it. There's no more music to be had, you know? It is infinite. Spirit is infinite, infinitely creative. And all of it adds to the mix, doesn't it? it, it different types and different varieties and different sounds and different smells. We are here to do that work. There is just no end to the variety and the diversity of all things. And so you're thinking at this point, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, this theme of diversity and variety plays out in our lives on a daily basis. You're forever choosing, right? You're forever choosing. I tend to be a, a, what I call a homing pigeon. I don't know about you, but I tend to be a homing pigeon. John Kirko knows this. We, we work together every day. I, I kind of take the same route. You know, I will fall into that habit of just taking the same route home. I'll fall into the habit of taking, going to the same place for lunch. I'll fall into the habit of ordering the same food. It's just, I'm a homing pigeon. And I have to consciously make the decision to try new things. But there is an infinite variety of things out there to try. There is no end to the, the diversity. So how big can we play? How big can we play? This is a practical spirituality, right? This is what we say all the time. You come to vision, right? We transform lives. It's right there. We transform lives through practical spirituality. This is a practical spirituality. So how do I use this big, gigantic, universal concept of, of diversity, variety and diversity? How do I use this in my life to change my thinking, change my life? Good question, you asked. <laughs> well, Ernest Holmes said this. He said, it appears from experience the only way for the individual to constructively use this creativity of the invisible but everywhere present mind is by means of thought, faith and conviction, and nothing else. It is thought backed by faith and conviction and nothing else. And so, and so where do we go with that, right? It is our thought, which we can control, right? 
you know, I mean, our, our thoughts are controllable. We know what we think. Sometimes we just let it go and it wanders off all by itself. That's when we say, you know, human race consciousness is doing its thinking through us. You know, all those times when you're not really paying attention and you just get caught up in what everybody's saying. What is the prevailing, you know, wind? What is the prevailing human race consciousness through, through the country or through the family or whatever? And it starts thinking through you because you're not really standing in your convictions. But when you remember who you are, you reverse your position in the law, like Ernest Holmes said. You reverse your position in the law, which means you take a stand, right? And you, and you uh, keep human race consciousness from just flowing through you, out picturing. You know, these are the things like human, like, um, well, it's cold and flu season. You better stock up on your NyQuil. You know that one, right? That's human race consciousness, just doing its thinking through you, right? And then you go to the store, oh, I better get my NyQuil, you know. No. No, human race consciousness. So we, we stand in our convictions. This is the faith and conviction part. We, we think our own thoughts. And then you question your thoughts, right? You just don't automatically think it just because it's running through you. So that's what Ernest Holmes is saying. Think the thoughts, back them by faith and conviction, and you co-create with spirit your own little corner of the world, your own reality. The biggest setbacks we have to our creative intention our own desires and our highest aspirations for our lives, the biggest setbacks we have are doubt, fear, and time. Doubt, fear, and time. We think about that book we're going to write. Who's writing a book? Raise your hands. Come on, be honest. Who's? Yeah, see, nobody wants to. No, because now you're going to ask me for it six months from now. <laughs> but you know you're writing that book. Or what about that painting you're working on? You know, there's a painting you're working on, or there's a piece of music you're working on, or there's a business idea you have, right? And then you're going to start. And then what happens? What happens in those instances when we absolutely do not have the faith and the conviction, right? We begin to doubt. That's the first that I was going to say, ugh, intention killer, but I don't like the word killer. Okay, it's the, it's the, um, the first intention setback, right? Doubt creeps in. Who am I to? Fill in the blank. Did you ever hear that one? Did you ever hear that one in your mind? Who do you think you are? You know. Well, I'm an outpicturing of God. <laughs> you know. How are you? Um, but but we get that. We get that momentary doubt, right? Who am I to, whatever, whatever? Oh, it'll never work out. You know, I start things, but I don't ever finish them. That's another one, right? It'll never work. It'll never work. Whatever work means. And what does that even mean, right? With that doubt, oh, it'll never work. Mostly it means it'll never make me money. But sometimes it means it'll never give me what I want emotionally. I don't know, but it'll never work. Oh, here's one. It's probably been done before, right? It's already been done and probably better than I could do it. Oh, there's another one, right? And better than, than I can do it. And what if I invest all this time and effort into this and it's a failure? What if I invest all this time and effort in it and it doesn't go? Right? What else? I know I'm just bumming out the whole room. I can, just, I can feel the energy is just like, oh my God. Who would want what I create anyway? You can just feel it. It's like, uh, 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 uh. It'll take too long. 
That's another one. See, there's the time, the time thing creeping in. Or, or uh, you know, I can't make money with this idea. How am I going to make money with this idea? All right, all of those doubt, fear, time. Doubt, fear, time. Biggest, biggest setbacks to your best ideas. And they don't exist. They are false beliefs. They are the voice of the world. Again, the human race consciousness. They are the voice of the world because the world didn't succeed either. I mean, look at it, right? So it's one of those things where, who are you to be better than the rest of us, you know? Well, of course you are. Of course you are. You are an outpicturing of God, but so is everybody else. They just don't know it yet. But we're letting them know. Ernest Holmes in this thing called life said, you exist so that divine feeling, fire, imagination, and creativity may be expressed through you. You want me to say that again? You, 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 you exist so that divine feeling, fire, imagination, and creativity may be expressed through you. The spirit comes to you with a new and fresh creativity. You need not ask what others have done or how they have done it. Be yourself and express life as you find it. Never imitate. Trust the self. Find the self in God and God in the self. That's what we're here to do. Who is it that said, don't imitate, right? Don't be yourself, everybody else is taken? Was that Oscar Wilde, right? Yeah, be yourself, everybody else is taken. I love it. <sighs> be your authentic self. You know, don't look to the left and see what they're doing and look to the right and see what they're doing and go, okay, well, then maybe I should do this, you know? Just do your thing. Just do your thing as you can because you're the only one that can do it because you're the only you that ever existed or ever will exist. So what if there are 200 books on the shelf about self-esteem? Nobody wrote that book the way you're going to write it. Nobody's book sounds like your book. Nobody's words are going to be your words, right? And somebody's life is going to be turned around because you wrote your book the way you wrote it, and your words are going to appeal to them when maybe none of those other books did, right? Does that make sense? So what if 900 people paint sunflowers? It's very popular, by the way, to paint sunflowers. And so what? If 900 people painted sunflowers, your interpretation of the flower in paint is yours alone. It will never look like anybody else's. It will always be an individual's idea, right? Yours alone, and no one paints like you do. What if 25 interior decorator businesses or interior design businesses exists in San Diego County? Who cares? Who cares? Your insights, your sense of style, your sense of design will be different from each and every one of those business, right? Each and every one. We do the same thing. We do a lot of the same things. We all cook. Well, most of us. <laughs> My sister, she dusts her stove. It's really funny. But anyway, <laughs> we all cook. And even if we have the same recipe in front of us, doesn't it come out different? How many times have you tried to replicate your mother's recipe of something? It never comes out the same. It always comes out different. Using the same ingredients and the same amounts of things, and it always comes out different. Because you're you, and you're not your mother. And even with the same recipe, it comes out uniquely your way, and it should. It should. We all do the same things in a different way. That's why 
It is necessary for all of us because we are the wholeness of life. This is why it's necessary for all of us. You are here because you're needed. You're necessary to the, to the whole and complete fullness of life. We all add to the mix. We all add to the mix. So our practice then, because this is a practical spirituality, I referred to it before, right? Our practice then is, what do we do? We kick the doubt and the fear and the time to the curb, and we hold fast to our intentions. We continue to know that our intentions are manifesting. Manifesting, present tense. Emma Curtis Hopkins said that we should deny the doubt and demand truth be revealed. Isn't that lovely? What a powerful statement. She said this. She said, I don't believe that side of the question. She meant the doubt and the fear and the time. I believe in success and prosperity for myself and for everyone else. Now, the reason she put everyone else there is because she understood the wholeness of life. She understood that we are all one. And you cannot, you cannot affirm for yourself something you wouldn't have for every single person on earth. Because there's only one of us, right? There is only one of us. That is the key to our affirmations, to our intentions and denials, right? Along with our prayer work, it must benefit all. Because there's only one of us here. There's only life. There's only spirit. In all of its unique variations, there is only the one life, the life of spirit, individualizing itself as us. We cannot affirm good for ourselves and not for our neighbor. We cannot manifest abundance for ourselves, but not for others. Doesn't work that way. Ernest Holmes said it like this. He said, unity is the basis of all that there is. There is but one God, but one mind, one spirit, one power. When I embody myself in my own thoughts, I am separating myself from, from that which I think would be my good. I am separating myself. You hear that? He goes on to say, you may think this is a very subtle thing and could not be the reason for so much trouble. It is the foundation of most of our troubles. I am unconsciously separating myself from my good when I affirm for my good only and not the good of the planet, not the good of for all life everywhere. Do you see the difference? It's a huge difference. And, and when I don't want good for everyone, that means I don't want it for me. Because we are one. There's only one. There is unity behind the diversity. That's how it starts. That's how all of this started, right? That's how all of, this, all of this diversity and variety started. It all started with one. We are one at the root. All of our creativity, all of our inventions, all of our paintings, all of our music, it's all part of the mix. It's all the variety and the diversity, but it's all one at the root. It all is sourced from the same energy. And all of our variety add to a beautiful world. All of our diversity add to a beautiful world, a colorful tapestry of experiences, a richer, a richer life. So this is, your, this, is your, this is your job if you choose to accept it this week. <laughs> Go for the good, like Emma said. Emma said, she, uh, she was so clear on this, there is no mixture of good and evil in the world. There is only good. So you turn away from everything unlike good. 
Go for the good. Add to the mix. Do those things you desire. Write that book. Paint that picture. Create that music. Open that business. Do those things that you really, really know, and you know what they are. Because if you go in silent meditation for a moment, just for a moment, and ask yourself, you know what's on your heart. That thing that when you start talking about it, you get really excited, right? And you get really fired up, and you get really, really energized by it. That's the thing. Do that. Do that. And don't let doubt and time and fear steal those creations from all of us. You see, because that's what you're doing when you withhold your gifts. You're stealing your creations from all of us because we are all better by your gifts. We are all happier because of your, your talents. We are all enriched because of your contribution. So don't, don't, don't leave us out of the mix. We are one. Have the courage to stand by your intentions and see them through. Don't let doubt and fear and time steal your creativity, steal your contribution, steal your new thing that the world is waiting for. The world is waiting for it. Have the courage to stand by it. Know it's truth. Keep kicking doubt out. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Keep kicking doubt out. Okay, let's say that together. I'm kicking doubt out. I'm kicking doubt out. I'm kicking doubt out. One more time. I'm kicking doubt out. Thank you so much. Ha, <laughs> ha,